On this week's episode of Random BS, I'll be talking about Purdue's loss against FDU, how this reflects on Purdue's program as a whole, and where to go from here. What the hell happened? At this point, I'm not exactly being timely in talking about Purdue's loss to Farley Dickinson. The tournament is long over, and we're a month out from the actual game itself. But I'll be damned if this isn't something Purdue fans don't think about with some frequency. By becoming only the second number one seed to lose to a number 16 in the NCAA tournament, Purdue has put themselves into the record book permanently. Are we confident that Purdue can do what the only other team to suffer this fate did and win the whole thing next season? I am not. Doubtful that you are either. So what happened? Well, basically, when you can't hit your shots, you can't score enough points to beat anyone. Shocking, I know. But Purdue was so bad from the field that by the end of the game, people were missing shots by wide, wide margins. When they would shoot, that is. Guys who normally are locked and ready to go looked so in their heads hesitating, pump faking, when there was no one else around. You can't pump fake an invisible defender and hit the subsequent shot. That is just not how any of this works. I don't need to go through the full stats, but you should hear a few of them one last time. 19.2% from three. The non-Zach ED members of the team shot 28% from the field. 16 turnovers, 13 fouls, gave up 11 offensive rebounds to one of the smallest teams in Division I basketball. A team, by the way, that didn't even deserve to be in the tournament, having only gotten here not by winning their conference tournament, but by finishing behind the ineligible team that did. So, not to belabor the point, but man, what a loss. And listen, Purdue, despite history and reputation, was a frankly poor shooting team this season. Not this poor, but poor nonetheless. Whenever you have the nation's best player, that can cover a lot of mistakes, but not in this case. Yeah, um, I want to congratulate Farley Dickinson um, on the win. Thought they played excellent. Part two, what does this say about Purdue as a program? Purdue has rightfully earned a reputation as a tough regular season opponent and a soft postseason opponent. Is that completely fair? I don't know, but kind of. Gene Cady, the best he could do was the Elite Eight. Same for Matt Painter. Cady was 20-19 in the tournament, and Painter has been 17-13, not counting a loss as the head coach at Southern Illinois. Are these awful records? Absolutely not, but it gets worse once you dive in a little. Painter has finished the season with 29 or more wins four times, and the best he could do with that has been the Sweet 16. Going back to 2015, in 2014-2015, they were a 9 seed, and they lost in the first round to a better seed. In 2015-2016, they were a 5 seed, and they lost in the first round to a worse seed. 2016-2017, they were a 4 seed, and they lost in the Sweet 16 to a better seed. 2017-2018, they were a 2 seed, and they lost in the Sweet 16 to a worse seed. 2018-2019, they were a 3 seed, and they lost in the Elite 8 to a better seed. 2019-2020 was a COVID year, but Purdue likely would not have made the tournament as they finished the season 10th in the conference. In 2020-2021, they were a 4 seed, and they lost in the first round to a worse seed. 2021-22, they were a 3 seed, and they lost in the Sweet 16 to a worse seed. In 22-23, obviously they were a 1 seed, and they lost in the first round to a worse seed. 
can parse this data however you want, although I will say the last three years are definitely not a good trend for this team. They do a great job of being a constant presence in the tournament, no small feat, but they don't really make a ton of noise once they get there, minus the electrifying 2018-2019 season. Losing in the first round to a 16 seed has a way of kickstarting some very serious conversations about where we're at as a program. So what does this say about Purdue as a program? It's hard to tell, to be honest. The national media loves Purdue. And please, just stop if you think they don't. They absolutely love Matt Painter. And why shouldn't they? He's a great interview, a good guy who runs a clean program, and I bet he's an absolute top-notch barbecue artist. If Purdue ever does win a title, holy crap, it's going to be pretty intense. But that's the media. The fans are another story. More and more seem resigned to their fate as an also-ran. Whereas other programs can seemingly get highly ranked recruits on demand, Purdue has to really push to get and then keep their guys. More on that in a future episode. It rarely all comes together for Purdue. I think six straight years we've been a top five seed, and that's all you try to do is you just try to fight to get in the best position possible. And now we get in the best position possible and this happens. And um, obviously it hurts. It, it, it hurts bad. Part three, where to go from here. So here we are, another extra long offseason, with some big questions headed into the next season. Purdue will likely keep most of their team intact, the big question remaining, whether Zach Eady returns or begins the next phase in his career. If I had to make a guess, I'd say that he's back, but I think it's still up in the air at this point. With Purdue's talent coming back, and don't be mistaken, you don't get to be a number one seed only by the virtue of one player. There's a lot of talent on this team. A solid freshman coming in with Miles Colvin, a solid transfer in Lance Jones, with perhaps more to come, this team should still be really good, even if Edie does move on. And Purdue has some really good players lined up for the next few classes. So the talent level with the Boilermakers appears to have reached a new, higher floor. And yet, and yet, that perception around this program is not going away and will only intensify until Purdue makes some real noise in March. Purdue fans know it, Purdue players know it, the AD knows it, and more than anyone, Matt Painter knows it. I love watching Purdue play well early in the season. Being November and December champs sure is fun. And Purdue leading the conference in conference titles is wonderful as well, especially with a good number of those having come recently. No one likes a program resting on the reputation on something that happened so far in the past. But I don't think Purdue fans or the program itself will truly be satisfied unless they're in the final four. And really, the conversation won't be closed completely unless they're able to win a title. I don't believe Purdue football will ever contend on a national level. As someone who lives five minutes away from the campus of an SEC team, let me tell you that they are playing a completely different game than we are. But basketball? We are really close in basketball. Purdue is a credible championship threat, but having that potential means nothing if you can't capitalize. And once again, we find ourselves licking our wounds and waiting for the calendar to flip over again for another chance to reverse the last four decades of history. This has been Random BS. I am your host, Michael. Please follow me on Twitter at The Railroad Tie and let me know what you liked, what you didn't like, and what you'd like to see more of. Thank you very much for listening.